Hey, it's Moog, and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Today, we're discussing something that I briefly touched on in my last episode, which is how Taylor uses fire to describe her relationship to herself. Now, this is partially inspired by a TikTok my friend Gaylor Lore made, where she says she always talks about fire as though she's afraid of it. And that video was a stitch from your underscore roomies underscore screw top underscore rose. Um, where Kate made a video where she talks about how fire is now a tool that Taylor uses to live the life that she wants while using it also to confront her inner demons. But as I said earlier, I think she uses fire to describe her relationship to herself because she is the fire that she is afraid of. Just like last episode where I said there is Taylor Swift the person and Taylor Swift the brand, and the only thing that can bring one down is the other. Now, she refers to fire quite a lot in her songs. In Ivy, she says, yeah, it's a fire. It's a goddamn blaze in the dark. Evermore writing letters addressed to the fire, which is a double entendre. We know that she got a letter from Closure that was addressed to her. So this could mean that she is the fire, but also she is writing letters and burning them and she's not sending them to anyone. Or when she receives letters addressed to her as the fire, she also burns them, presumably, without reading them. This is actually a literary device that Taylor uses, often called a zugma, where things have double meanings like this. Now, I recognize this literary device a lot in her music, but I didn't know the word for it. So I actually learned this term from TikTok user a.gale19, who in her video says, In folklore, Taylor says, They told me all of my cages were mental, so I got wasted like all my potential where she's getting wasted on alcohol and she's wasting her potential. Another one in Maroon, she says, that's a real fucking legacy to leave, where your memory is a legacy to leave behind. But also the action of leaving her is a legacy because the muse's legacy is being the one who walked out. In Paper Ring, she says, the moon is high like your friends were the night that we first met. The moon is high up in the sky and the friends are high on substances. Quick tangent there, but circling back to her references to fire, she refers to her sun sign, which is Sagittarius, which is a fire sign. In Red and Lover, she says twin fire signs, twin flame brews, the archer is a reference to Sagittarius. Now in the archer, she also says the room is on fire, invisible smoke. In the Great War, Diesel is desire you were playing with fire. Their desire for each other is dangerous and Taylor is the fire that will ignite that diesel. I actually have a full episode on my lyrical analysis of The Great War, so if you haven't checked that out, go listen to it after this. And last week's episode, if you haven't already, deep dives into The Archer. Now, her albums show different phases of her going through the cycle, the same cycle that fire does, from being not lit to burning to being on fire, blazing, dying out, and ash. On Speak Now, she's afraid of catching fire. As we hear in Dear John, she takes the matches before fire can catch her but eventually she catches fire too on reputation she accepts it and even taunts others to light her up and i did something bad then she burns people and bridges as she references and call it what you want she talks in rep a lot about burning everything down to be with her muse i'd kiss you as the lights went out swaying as the room burned down if i get burned at least i was electrified Rep is the album where she finally catches fire. Now, Lover kind of leads us through this process of acceptance from Archer to Afterglow to Daylight, 
which happens to be the chronological order, likely intentionally on Taylor's part. She says in The Archer she's being suffocated by invisible smoke, but it's her alone in her room pacing in the middle of the night. The only thing suffocating her is herself. In Afterglow, she says, I'm the one who burned us down, but it's not what I meant. Then in daylight, she breathed. Then in daylight, she breathes in the smoke. So she literally goes from the room is on fire, invisible smoke, to I breathe in the smoke over the course of the album. Meticulous, well thought out shit like this really fucking gets me. I love callbacks and parallels and Taylor is so fucking good at it. Anyways, in Folklore and Evermore, she is dealing with the consequences of being fire. With Cardigan, the lingering smell of smoke hangs around and haunts her from the destruction that her fire has caused. In Hoax, she says, I am ash from your fire. Then, if I'm on fire, you'll be made of ashes too, where she is weaponizing her fire. But also on the flip side, the line, I'm a fire and I'll keep your brittle heart warm, in peace offers her a positive side to all of this, which is that she can use fire to nurture those she loves. Kind of like Hestia in Greek mythology, where if it where if the hearth is tended to properly, the fire is maintained in its nurturing. Which we know from Taylor's centaur imagery and labyrinth and the reference to the gardens of Babylon, that she at the very least is familiar with basic mythology. And knowing her personality, I'm sure she actually knows a lot more than just the basics. So for those who don't know, Hestia was one of the original 12 Olympian gods, and she vowed to keep peace at Olympus. She is described as innocent and pure. Now, Hestia made a promise to Zeus that she would never marry as both Poseidon and Hades wanted her, who are her brothers. So that's gross. But anyways... In order to keep peace, she vowed to remain eternally single. Kind of like how Taylor will not blatantly state that she's queer, but she also doesn't say that she's straight in order to keep both sides of the fandom happy and at peace. She's made up of these constantly battling opposing forces as both the brand and the person, the hunter and the prey, as discussed last episode. Just like Hestia is simultaneously Kronos' oldest and youngest, because she is the first to be devoured and the last to be yielded up again. Now, like Hestia made a sacrifice, Taylor has had to make sacrifices to keep peace in her life and to remain living this double life. But while she might internally struggle with this, she generally has learned how to use and accept it. But I think Midnight's then becomes her grieving the repercussions of her being fire. Because now she feels guilt for what she's done, but also for lying to us because she's afraid that if we get too close to her, that we will burn too. She basically begs us to find another guiding light, even though she shines so bright. And like moths to a flame, people are drawn into her. So she gives us advice, or maybe it's gaslighting, or maybe she thinks if she can convince us, she can convince herself that we are burned for the better and bridges burn, but pages turn, and everything you lose is a step you take. But still, she warns us that everything to come, to her, has turned to ashes. Now, with the Era's Tour visuals, which I've only really seen once, which is when I went to Night 2 in Glendale, but from what I remember, we see the lover house that she built so meticulously be burnt until nothing remains of it. She is aware of who and what she is and what that means for the people near her, and it scares her even if she can also use the power. Actually, I will confidently say 
that Taylor Swift, the person, fears the fire that she is, but Taylor Swift, the brand, loves the power that it holds. Now, since we're talking about fire and ash, I've actually been thinking about this lately. I'm curious if Taylor will ever use the phoenix as imagery at some point because she's always discussing ash and fire. Now, if you don't know, in mythology, the phoenix was said to be as large as an eagle with brilliant scarlet and gold plumage, a melodious cry. So it's a songbird that burns like fire, and when it dies, it just comes back stronger. It also relates to the birdcage motif, because the phoenix is a bird. Um, but also, since the phoenix is mostly depicted as orange in illustrations, it makes me think about the orange door that she enters at the end of the Eras Tour shows. She disappears into an orange door. Just like how the phoenix obtains new life by rising from the ashes of its predecessor, Taylor always rises from the ashes. Even deeper, the way that the phoenix is typically reborn is by gathering a nest of incense and sacred materials that it then ignites. Just like she inevitably burns down everything that she holds dear, the closer it gets, the larger it burns. And she always survives, but only ash remains from what once was. Now, I feel like I simultaneously said a lot and also nothing on this episode because it's just a string of thoughts that I've this feels more like I'm just noticing a pattern and talking to you guys about the pattern that I'm seeing rather than coherently stringing this together. But this is something that has been in my notes app on my phone for a little while now. And I was just ruminating on it last night when I was thinking about the Phoenix and I posted a quick little video about the Phoenix uh, theory, wondering if she'll ever use that. And someone was like, I need another podcast episode. And I was like, you know what? It's been a week. I could sit down and hash this episode out. It won't be long. It'll be like 10 to 15 minutes and I'll get it done. So thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Please rate and review this on wherever you are listening and make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any updates. If you'd like to check out my original music that I've written, which is also the podcast intro and outro music on this, if you didn't know, you can look me up on my full name, Moog Ferlita, and you can see my debut EP, which came out last November, titled Want to Wish I Hadn't. As always, you can find me on social media at Hey It's Moog. And in the event that the U.S. does go through with the TikTok ban, you can find me on my fandom Twitter, which is constantly changing usernames. But right now it's Top Lore Truther, T-O-P-L-O-R Truther. Now, if you are visually watching this episode, you will notice that I am wearing a t-shirt that says Gaylor, and it's got the daisy from the daisy on the dashboard on it. This is a shirt that I designed in partnership with GayApparelClothing.com. GayApparelClothing.com is currently planning their third drop for the month of May at some point, details to come, and you will be able to get this Gaylor tee. You can either get it in this print or on the back. There is a drippy pink font that says Gaylor. And the great people over at GayApparelClothing.com have said that if you are a listener of this podcast, that during this next drop, you will be able to get 15% off of your order with the code GAYMAY, G-A-Y-M-A-Y. You will get 15% off of your order at GayApparelClothing.com for merch drop three by using that code. Once again, that is GayApparelClothing.com, code GAYMAY for 15% off. Go get your own Gaylor shirts and uh, 
think of me when you wear it because I designed it and I fucking love it. I think it's neat. I also gifted this to the artist Zolita. If you haven't checked out Zolita's music, you should also check that out. Neither of those people are paying me. I just happen to love them both. That's actually why we went with the pink design is because I originally wanted to give it to Zolita and she's rocking pink these days. Thank you once again for listening. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode of this podcast and I will catch you all later.